The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, everyone. Before we get started, just a quick message. It's Thanksgiving week, which means not only hopefully a good meal with some loved ones, but the unofficial kickoff of our national gift-giving insanity. Well, we're here to make things a little easier. Instead of rushing to a mall on Black Friday, how about ordering some gift subscriptions to the next Big Idea Club's box delivery service for the more curious people on your shopping list? Sign them up, and they'll get hardback copies of the best new nonfiction as selected by our curators Malcolm Gladwell, Susan Cain, Adam Grant and Daniel Pink shipped right to their door. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Just go to nextbigideaclub.com and use the code daily to get a special discount. Thanks. Now here's today's show. LinkedIn presents Free speech culture is the antidote to cancel culture. Free speech culture can be encapsulated in idioms that were once core to the American identity, such as to each their own, walk a mile in a man's shoes, and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. We all need to do our part in re-embracing these values that underpin a diverse, pluralistic, and healthy society. Good morning. This is the Next Big Idea Daily, and I'm your host, Michael Kavanagh. Now, unless you've been completely tuned out of the cultural zeitgeist, you've probably heard the term cancel culture thrown around a lot over the last few years. But there's some disagreement about what it is exactly and whether it's a problem or not. On one level, what we're seeing is people being held to account for discriminatory speech and hurtful actions. And when seen in that light, cancel culture might be considered a positive development for society striving to be more inclusive. But many people argue that it's a malicious and overly punitive effort to shut down free speech and enforce a rigid set of political beliefs. Well, here to present one side of that debate is Ricky Schlott, co-author of the new book, The Canceling of the American Mind. Cancel culture undermines trust and threatens us all, but there is a solution, a book she co-wrote with Greg Lukianoff. Greg is an attorney and the president of the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, or FIRE. His writing has appeared in the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, and other publications. Ricky is a journalist and political commentator, a research fellow at FIRE, and a columnist at the New York Post. Here she is to share some of the big ideas from the book. Believe it or not, neither Greg nor I like the term cancel culture. It's been abused and dragged through the mud. But we agreed to use it anyway for a simple reason. It's a term the vast majority of Americans know, and using terminology that doesn't speak to the typical person would be a waste of time. We define cancel culture as the measurable uptick, beginning around 2014, of campaigns to get people fired, expelled, deplatformed, or otherwise punished for speech that is, or would be, protected by the First Amendment. Despite what many might claim, cancel culture is very real, and it's happening at a historic scale. In his 22 years defending academic freedom at FIRE, Greg has seen it firsthand time and again. In the last decade, FIRE has tallied 1,000 attempts to get professors fired or otherwise targeted for their speech. About two-thirds of those attempts succeeded in getting them punished in some way, and almost 200 professors got fired. That's twice as many professors as were fired during the Red Scare. In fact, there's no historical comparison since academic freedom was legally established. People saying cancel culture isn't happening are being willfully blind. 
Cancel culture lets you off the hook from actually refuting ideas you don't like by allowing you to attack the person presenting the idea instead. Cancelers shrug off the responsibility of actually engaging in a meaningful, substantive, and intellectual way. Abusing ad hominem attacks is a way to avoid arguments and avoid being proven wrong or finding any common ground. Cancel culture is so common because it's so effective. It makes an example of any person who is targeted. Taking away someone's platform or career makes it more likely that no one else will dare to tread the same ground. The looming threat of being torn down creates a culture of fear and conformity. It's an extremely effective way to squelch out dissenting voices. This is something that I saw as a college student just a couple years ago. Very few people dared to challenge prevailing viewpoints on campus. It was only after I began sharing my views publicly in op-eds that I realized how many people were quietly biting their tongues. Countless people reached out to say, I agree with you and thanks for saying that, but please don't tell anyone we had this conversation. Both the political left and right engage in their own forms of cancel culture and dysfunctional methods of argumentation. Our book uses a metaphor of rhetorical fortresses to describe the way each side insulates themselves from inconvenient arguments. The left's version is called the perfect rhetorical fortress. It's an intricately constructed series of walls that protect those inside from having to engage with someone's point by boxing out the speaker based on personal attributes. The first wall lets you tune out anyone who's conservative, regardless of what they have to say. Then comes layer after layer of demographic eliminations. Is the speaker white? Are they straight? Are they cisgendered? You can use all these characteristics to avoid having to take into account their point of view. The perfect rhetorical fortress is an enormously effective way to tune out any idea that challenges your own point of view. Sadly, it distracts us from debating each other's viewpoints, or better yet, finding common ground. The Efficient Rhetorical Fortress We dub the right wing's equivalent the efficient rhetorical fortress because, well, it's far more efficient and a lot less of an elaborate construction. Those inside the right's fortress protect themselves with just a few walls. If someone's a liberal, an expert, or a journalist, they're simply not worth listening to. And those in the MAGA wing add an additional layer that blocks out anyone critical of Trump. If you can label someone as woke in any way, shape, or form, then they're totally done. Some people that we know personally who are quite right-wing have been called woke or rhino, Republican in name only, for deviating even a little bit from the current right-wing orthodoxy. People like David Frum and David French come to mind here. Someone who concedes that there are problems in policing, for example, or who denies that the 2020 presidential election was stolen, can immediately have their conservative credentials revoked and get totally tuned out. That's the entire point of the rhetorical fortresses. They let you win arguments without actually winning arguments and attack your opponent rather than debate them. Free speech culture is the antidote to cancel culture. Free speech culture can be encapsulated in idioms that were once core to the American identity, such as to each their own, walk a mile in a man's shoes, and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. We all need to do our part in re-embracing these values that underpin a diverse, pluralistic, and healthy society. The solution is simple, but it's often difficult in practice. Commit yourself to arguing towards truth, avoid the cop-out of ad hominem attacks, and focus on the argument, not the person. That way we can engage in meaningful debate about contentious issues and learn from one another. In the words of John Stuart Mill, he who knows only his side of the case knows little of that. We all must do our part to help maintain a free speech culture. If we get complacent, we may succumb to all the forces constantly working against the maintenance of a free society. Thank you, Ricky. 
Well, I like to think that we here at the Next Big Idea Club are doing our part to keep free speech culture alive. If you go into our app, you can find lots of different, even conflicting ideas about social justice, as well as full-throated defenses of free speech. To join in the debate, go to your app store and download the Next Big Idea app. And we'll keep the conversation going tomorrow, Thanksgiving Day, when we hear some big ideas from the book Conflicted, How Productive Disagreements Lead to Better Outcomes by Ian Leslie, just in time for your family dinner. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow.